today we're here with our second installment of the Marketing Made Me Do It series. The fashion episode. So today we're really talking about what influences us when we buy fashion. We all have a different style. We all have a different style and we all wear clothing. Mandatorily every day. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, stay tuned as we dive into fashion. Fashion. (laughs) I love that. Bought a pair of shoes that I didn't need. The same ones I saw on my Instagram feed. My feet hurt real bad and my bank account's dry. I made a bad decision and I don't know why. Some people may say I blew it, but marketing made me do it. Yay, we're we're back after how many weeks of taking a break? Man, life has been crazy over Ooh. here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uncountable. Thanks for, for sticking with us, everybody. Yeah, so we are back. Marketing Made Me Do It. We're a relatively new podcast that is focused on talking about us as consumers, how we make decisions in our everyday life and how marketing influences our decision making. And uh, what we really want to do is empower you and ourselves to make the best decisions with our money going forward. We always like to start this podcast talking about what's new in life. Um, I would say we probably could just fill this entire podcast episode with just talking about our personal lives and what's Mm -hmm. new, but we're going to refrain from that. We're going to talk more about the marketing aspect. Sydney, what is new in life? What did marketing make you do or did not make you do? Yeah, so it's it's a little early to tell for me whether I'm going to succeed with a budget for Black Friday or not. (laughs) It's November 12th, Sunday, when we're recording this, and so I'm at least starting to get daily emails from brands that I love with, you know, Black Friday deals starting early. And it's tough when you are on a budget to not purchase things that you really want. Um, And so one example um, that I'm really proud of is one of my favorite skincare brands called May Lindstrom. It's beautiful line of products, but they're all extremely expensive, like face balms for $180, just very expensive luxury and it's a luxury experience using them. So they have a, a deal every single year, and it's like an anniversary sale. And so this year, if you spend $200, you get a $140 product for free. And oh, it's so tempting. <laughs> it's so tempting. But I, I've restrained because of budget issues. Um, but I am definitely waiting for those sales to come in so I can decide you know, what I can treat myself to this year. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I'm I'm right there with you on that train. I can't believe how early Black Friday sales have started this year. Like mm-hmm. now we have this early early Black Friday category. It started I feel like November yeah. 1st. <laughs> I think um what did I see the other day? Walmart. I saw an ad from Walmart and they said Black Friday deals starting November 1st. Yeah. It was insane. I know. And like I'm of course being served all these Ulta ads whenever I'm on YouTube and it's like it's never too early to start Black Friday. And I'm like, how right you are. But at the same time, I don't have the money to spend all all month long. All month long. So I'm going to take advantage of probably getting my Christmas shopping done uh, yeah. between now and 
Cyber Monday probably. Yeah, I always have the goal to buy Christmas gifts on Black Friday because it is such a good deal, but I'm never prepared. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I'm definitely a last-minute shopper where really? I just don't know what to get anybody, and then I have this this idea that this light just flickers on, and but it's always a week before. It's I need the pressure of a deadline Fair. to get me through. I wish I could just be done with it, though. We'll see what uh, Black Friday brings this year. I wish they, they would have better deals on hotels. Honestly, I would love to do more traveling. Mm-hmm. But I, that, that's like where they lack the most, I feel like. I think so. Yeah. That would be great. I think a lot of people would, would enjoy that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, moving into our main topic. Today we're talking about marketing made me do it, the fashion edition. Sydney, you and I have talked about being in marketing professionally. We work at an agency and within the agency world, you typically work with various different brands that are within various different industries. And one of the industries we don't actively work in is the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. So I've just done a little bit of research and was curious to know how marketing for the fashion industry is different than marketing for a hardware store. What are your thoughts? How, how does fashion differentiate from Yeah, others. I think the reason we don't work within the fashion industry too much is because the budgets for fashion brands are just humongous. There's so much competition within the fashion realm. Um, there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of eyeballs. And the clients we work with just don't have that kind of a budget. Mm-hmm. So um, I think overall the concepts of marketing for a fashion brand and for other brands are similar um, if only we could have the budget. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I do think though fashion is a little faster paced than mm-hmm. our clients are, um, or the, even the industries that we oh, work yeah. within. Right. And I feel like you already have to be onto the next thing, even though you're marketing a certain thing right now. Mm-hmm. So your mind always needs to be like five steps ahead than where we're at right now. And it changes so much, right? Because even though you know, okay, winter is coming and in winter we need jackets and we need mm-hmm. scarves and we need hats. It's it's not the same thing as if you know that, okay, winter is coming, we need a snowblower, <laughs> we need, yeah. you know, caps for our, what is it called? The Vasahan um, faucet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, outdoors. So it's not freezing and our pipes are not bursting. Like all those things. I mean, yes, maybe brands within hardware retail bring out a different color every year or like mm-hmm. maybe an upgraded snowblower, but the concept is the same, I feel like. And it's just with fashion, I feel like it's just faster paced and you always have to be on, on the, like knowing what the consumers will want mm-hmm. in terms of the trends. So because fashion moves so quickly, you know, there's always something new that's trending. There's always a new style popping up. Um, research is really important in the fashion industry. It's important for people who are planning a new line to know what's going on within the certain trends, what celebrities are wearing and, and what the market is doing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really big deal to keep these brands moving forward quickly. Yeah. And I think the research is also a little different to the research that again, like a hardware retail brand would do Mm -hmm. because you're looking to oftentimes probably more towards a younger generation to determine like what's hip and cool tomorrow. Yeah. And so the 
qualitative research, I feel like is Mm -hmm. more important, um, within that space as well. I also think the visual components of fashion are really important for marketing almost more than any other industry, right? As you want to see your clothes on a human person, on a figure, you want to see them moving. You want to see them out in the elements in a photo shoot. I think that's more important than again, photographing a snow shovel, you know, you you know what it looks like, you know how it's useful, but being able to see clothes on a human body, whether it's on a runway in a photo shoot in a video, et cetera, I think are really important. So I imagine marketing within the fashion realm focuses on that visual space. Yeah. And to take it even a step further, I think depending on who you put, put it on, Mm -hmm. right? Like the type of model is the model, a a no name model. Is it a, a very famous model? Body style, Body skin stuff, color for sure yeah um it sends a message and mm-hmm. i feel like it evokes a certain emotion as well so all of those things are are i think are most likely very strategically chosen and, and placed mm-hmm. to speak to kind of the individual sense of belonging right if you want to be more like heidi klum mm-hmm. you're going to pay attention to what she's wearing and if she's wearing a, a specific brand you're like oh my gosh i have to like run out because if he- if heidi klum is wearing it and i'm i'm wearing it then that kind of puts me into a certain circle right and puts yeah. me into a certain so- societal frame of reference yeah, which kind of leads perfectly into something we bring up every single episode, which is Robert Cialdini's Principles of Influence. Um, there's seven of them, and one of them you can pinpoint to a marketing camp. Like, they're very heavily used in marketing campaigns. And I think in fashion, you know, what you just spoke to is the idea of social proof, which is one of his principles. Um, people do or purchase what they observe others doing. And so if you want to be like Heidi Klum, you might pay attention to what she's wearing on a runway or at a shoot and make that a goal for your personal brand. Mm -hmm. For sure. The other one is scarcity. I think especially with these luxury brands, scarcity leads these brands to raise their prices. You know, they're not making a million Hermes bags, even though maybe they could with production time. I'm not sure. Um, and with that comes higher prices and that sense of prestige. Like I own this one of a kind thing or this, this thing that my peers can't have. Um, and a good example of that, this was kind of really controversial. I would say in the fashion world and in 2021 coach got called out for slashing the bags that they didn't sell on the floor and tossing them in the dumpster. Oh really? Yeah. And so that obviously limits, you know, they're not going to sell these unpopular bags on a discount because that would get in their way of their brand identity. So they were just slashing them and tossing them away. I did not know that. Yeah. They got in trouble for that. I don't think they're doing that anymore because a couple of, what are they? Trash, trash diggers. I don't know what they're called. People who go in trash cans. Oh um, yeah. Who are kind of promoting the cyclical approach to fashion reuse um, they they exposed them for doing that. So I don't think they do that anymore. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think that prestigeness or even just that exclusivity speaks to that intrinsic motivation of person pursuing mm-hmm. something like that, pursuing expensive clothes or inexpensive clothes. I mean, some people are out there that are like, I don't want to be associated with these brands because these brands mean X and I'm not X. So I'm going to only wear no name clothes, right? Yeah. Which Kleider machen Leute, a little anecdote from Germany. 
Translated, that means clothes make the people. I think they actually say that in the U.S. as well. Do they? Yeah. In business, it's dressed for the job that you want, not the Mm -hmm. one that you have. The saying in Germany comes from a short story by Gottfried Keller. But it's essentially about a penniless tailor who, because of the luxurious suit he has made for himself, is mistaken for a young lord. And so when he arrived... In the Swiss town of Goldach, he was celebrated by the townsfolk and attracted, you know, the attention of a highborn young woman until the perception was unveiled because it was not like mm. a luxurious, you know, piece of clothing. It's something that, a poor, you know, a penniless yeah. tailor had made for himself. And so essentially it's the perception that people mm-hmm. give out yeah. or is that how you say it? Like the exactly yeah. create for themselves um, the image that they create around themselves by wearing a specific type of clothing by wearing a specific type of brand that reminds me of aladdin <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How the genie dressed them all fancy and he, yeah yeah just that's where my mind went that's i mean <laughs> it's almost the same thing right um that's- People do that all the time, you know, it's, and I do think that's a big motivator. I've, from what I've read in researching this episode specifically, the target audience for marketing these luxury fashion brands is often lower class people. Um, And that's because there's that goal of, if I can dress in Chanel, if I can dress in Gucci, Gucci, then I'm going to appear important and I'm going to appear successful yeah it gives you a kind of a specific socioeconomic status Mm -hmm. um, that you might not even belong to right Mm -hmm. and so um it's dangerous sometimes too like Mm -hmm. we've talked about in previous episodes where um especially if you're striving a lifestyle that you may not you know be able to support yeah it's very dangerous to overspend i since i was like in my early 20s really wanted a pair of christian louboutin shoes those beautiful black heels um they're called Kate heels and they have the red under mm-hmm. heel. Uh, they were just everywhere when I was in my twenties. And for me, they just, they were that status symbol, you know, that we're talking about is like, I could picture myself walking into a business meeting and just clicking away with the heels <laughs> and just walking in with this just boss bitch mentality. Um, and my legs would look really amazing, but they're expensive. And so I've never pulled the trigger, but I've always, they've been my like goal is I know I'm successful when I have a pair of these shoes. Um, that's the emotion that they evoked. Yeah. yeah. What did you have like a model or a, a, someone who wore them where you were like, Hmm, like I'm triggered sure that? that I did. They were everywhere back in the day. Oh. So they were on sex in the city. Mm-hmm. Love those ladies. They were on, uh, probably devil wears Prada. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> they were everywhere, um, and just they were they were tall. I've heard they're extremely uncomfortable, so that's one of the reasons I also haven't pulled the trigger. Is I'm a very much a comfort first person mm-hmm. when it comes to fashion choices, and I probably won't. We live in Flagstaff, and Flagstaff <laughs> is not like fashion forward. forward. Yeah, and I I kind of love that about our city that people just like you're not going to go to a fancy restaurant and get stared at because of what you're wearing, whether or not you're fancy or not, just people don't care. I went to, I used to live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm -hmm. It's completely the opposite. (laughs) Um, where if you're going to the mall, you need to be decked out in the luxury brands. And if you're not, you stand out. I always felt like such a misfit Mm -hmm. living there. 
And no one would ever ask me in the stores if I needed help because I could just tell. There was no way I was buying anything. So much pressure. It is. Um, And so, yeah, I went there for dinner a few weeks ago and I was at this really nice restaurant celebrating my niece's birthday. And everyone was just, again, dressed to the nines, fake everything. (laughs) And just, I looked around and I was like, I'm so glad I don't live here anymore. It's so nice. I, even though I, I like dressing up, I still prefer to live somewhere where people don't, where you can like not wear makeup. Yeah. Right. And no one cares. For sure. No, I agree with you on that. It makes life mm-hmm. easier the day to day. Yeah. So Christian Louboutin shoes, if I lived in Scottsdale would be, would make sense. Maybe someone would ask me if I needed help in a store. Yeah. But yeah, now in Flagstaff, can you imagine? <laughs> Plus it's hilly. It's like rocky. Yeah, it's not, it wouldn't be easy. Even just like no. from the car to the office would not be. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine me walking into the office with these like foreign chills? And <laughs> It would be like, yeah. Sydney has arrived, guys. Sydney has mm-hmm. arrived. Yeah. That's what about funny. you? Tell me, um, yeah, when you pulled the trigger or didn't pull the trigger on something. Yeah. So growing up luxurious handbags have always been my thing. My mom, she uh, always had, or always, I don't know, at least as far back as I remember, she had Longchamp bags or even Coach was Mm -hmm. her brand. And I always loved the bags that she had. And in Germany, like I was, I don't know, 12 years old or something. It wasn't really a thing. But Mm -hmm. when we moved to Zurich, Switzerland, it's a different, like we moved from a small town in Germany to Zurich, Switzerland, which is like a prestige place to live. Um, it's definitely expensive. And um, maybe it's like a Scottsdale yeah. area, right? Where people are always like beautiful. They mm-hmm. always look beautiful. They're always put together and everybody has money. And there are so many like luxurious cars driving around and stuff like that. And so one of the treats that I got from my parents when we moved there was a Longchamp bag. And so I just distinctly remember that um, it made me feel I don't know, it made me feel like I belonged to Switzerland or Zurich mm-hmm. more so. And um, I remember when I went back to Germany to visit, everybody was looking at me. They were like, she has a Longchamp bag. Oh my gosh, they must have money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And in, in Zurich, it was just the thing everybody had. So it didn't really, you know, it didn't make me stand out. Um, and now being grown up and having, you know, a job and earning my own money, coach has always mm-hmm. been my go-to brand, like uh, Coach Wallet, Coach Purse, because emotionally made me feel professional. And I, again, mm-hmm. just always thought of my mom and how she's just, she always like, she's so well put together <laughs> and mm-hmm. beautiful. And I just wanted to strive um, towards that or, you know, uh, have kind of the same feeling when I looked in the mirror, when I saw myself with the bag. Yeah. Can you think of a situation where you really followed a trend yes. back in the back in the day and you loved it or hated it. I don't know. When I was growing up, I definitely dove in, and this was high school time, uh, dove into the emo phase, but I could never commit fully to the emo phase. I had a lip piercing. I had like mini gauges on my ears. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had, you know, short hair that I probably comb over it a little bit, but I felt like I never went hardcore emo, you know, with the super dark makeup and the dark hair mm-hmm. and the leathery things and the, what is it? The necklace is made out of, uh, paper chains, paper clips. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And so I, I would describe my style as like emo, but also maybe one of the first indie styles. Um, and that was influenced by my peers, but also most, I would say mostly by musicians that mm-hmm. I followed at the time. So I used to listen to, you know, the My Chemical Romance from first to last, like a lot of emo bands. And then I slowly transitioned to um, Decemberists was a big one. Other bands, I can't remember the name of, <laughs> um, but just more relaxed uh, music. So I would say the music I was listening to influenced me more than my peers did. I wanted to dress in a way that I saw musicians or the women in videos of the musicians I love dressing. Yeah. I always wanted to look like Christina Aguilera on her dirty cover, but that would, that would never happen. So. Was that the one where she's wearing like a skin color mm-hmm. and like the swimsuit or something? No, and... no, no. It was I'm where she, where she had her dreadlocks. Was it dreadlocks? What yes. She was, uh, that she had. And she was like, um, covering her naked breasts. And then she had, I think, um, either boot cut or, um, bell bottom jeans on. Yes. I know exactly what hip. you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to look like that, but my body just didn't, <laughs> didn't do that. <laughs> didn't do it. I didn't do it. We didn't go into that direction. Plus my parents would also kill me if, you know, I was 12 years old. I <laughs> Yeah, that would be, cause that was around the age too. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years old or something like that. A little premature. <laughs> I loved the way that musicians dressed though. Yeah. It was just always a little more unique than actors and actresses. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What was your trend growing up or now that you follow? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been just, I've always been rocking the bell bottom pants or like the baggy ish clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I was somewhat influenced by my surroundings, although I did test out a lot. So I had, I wrote down emo, but it's, it wasn't actually an emo. It was more punk rock, I think. Okay. <laughs> like uh, Simple Plan was like one mm-hmm. of the brand, um, one of the bands that I was totally into for like a year or something. Um, so I don't know. That was kind of something where I explored pink hair. Um, nice. And then hip hop. I mean, hip hop is still to this day, the music that I love listening to, um, rap and hip hop both. And um, I was telling you earlier uh, that I followed this trend where you had these really baggy pants and only like, I think the right side or yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> I had the right side of the pant leg up to my chin or up, not chin, up to my <laughs> shin, <laughs> my knee. Um, <laughs> and uh, like, even my parents, they were just like, what the fuck are you doing, Sylvia? Like, <laughs> really? But it was cool. Eminem did it. So I had to do it, you yeah. know, even though I don't know. <laughs> um, and then I also did the, um, you know, early 2000s, the ice blue eyeshadow kind of trend coming out of the 90s. Um, I did the white eyeliner trend. Like that was what I did in high school. It was winged white eyeliner. Nice. I to this day can barely do a winged eyeliner. (laughs) I mean, I didn't say it was good. (laughs) It's just what I tried to do. Yeah. And then I had that layered haircut where it like almost you looked like a mushroom head. It was, it was fun stuff. (laughs) Um, But my brother didn't approve of the ice blue eyeshadow. So... (laughs) Um, yeah, there were probably a couple of trends that I should have probably just skipped, but you know, you're experimenting and live and learn, right? Like there's a lot of trends now that I, the shag haircut is very big right now. Shag haircut? Sh- mm-hmm. Shag haircut. What does that look like? like it a looks mullet? like a mullet, no. but less severe, like not as 
obvious as a mullet, but similar to a mullet. It reminds me kind of of the emo style haircuts that girls had, mm-hmm. like super straight and then just a lot of layers. Yeah. But it's like you learn throughout your life. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at a picture of that and that's going to be real dumb <laughs> in 10 years from now. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, there's one style that I definitely boycotted and to this day still boycott is the crop top. Yeah. It's just not something that fits my body style. And it's really frustrating, especially when you're trying to shop online and like 90% of the mm-hmm. tops are all crop tops. And you're just like, I just want a regular top that will yeah. cover me, <laughs> you know, all the way to my jeans or belt line or whatever that's called. And so... I don't know. It's just something where I'm like, I mean, some people can really pull it off and it looks really cute and I really, really like it. But on me personally, it's just not something that will ever look good. What about you? Trends that I boycott. So I am not a fan of the, the Shein or any only wear it once haul type of trend. I just think once you see a photo of the waist of fashion, have you seen these photos of just hills and mountains of clothing it's just awful so mm-hmm. once you see that you realize how much fa- fashion goes to waste mm-hmm. and when you have companies like Shein, charlotte Russe was a big one it's like mm-hmm. when i was growing up you could only wear that once and then it broke and i think that's how Shein is as well as you wear it once um, and either cheap. it's because you don't want to be seen in the same thing twice or it breaks because it's really cheaply made um, so on tiktok there's a lot of these like Shein you know, hauls for $200, you can get a lot of clothes for really cheap, but most of them end, end up in a landfill. Yeah. And I'm a very much a, most of my clothes come from thrift stores. Mm-hmm. So I like, uh, I like purchasing nice clothes. I'd rather buy them used if yeah. they're really nice so that they can last a long time. For sure. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. I, I wasn't even that familiar with Shein until you brought it up. This is pretty controversial. In June of this year, Shein has gotten, they're a Chinese company, they've gotten into a lot of hot water about, you know, basically why their clothes are so cheap. I heard a great quote that when you see products that are so, so cheap, you know, somebody is paying the price for that. And in this case, the price was being paid with 18 hour work days for their employees, two cents per garment is what they were making, um, and just really poor labor practices um, that were not, not great. So... What Shein did to combat the bad publicity that was kind of building around them is they invited a lot of U.S. influencers to tour their factories. And the influencers got into a lot of trouble because they all came back and they were like, the U.S. is hearing this propaganda that these factories are terrible, but I toured the factory and it was fine. And basically the kind of common agreement is that they probably toured a factory and received an experience that was very curated mm-hmm. for them to then come back to the United States and say, everything's fine. Um, and so they, the influencers who went really did get into a lot of hot water of just coming back saying factories are great. Meanwhile, there were documentaries talking about Sheehan's unfair labor practices with like hidden cameras and, um, their influencer, their trip kind of backfired on the influencers specifically. Yeah. And I mean, that's how a lot of fashion brands, especially like the, you know, the more affordable as well as like everyday fashion brands 
get to their consumers, right? They use influencers on a daily basis mm-hmm. to push product and the influencers get a nice, you know, fall closet for free and yeah. they then, you know, showcase their new wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And here we are with a limited budget trying to replicate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the influencers I follow, who's a, fa- I would say a fashion influencer, but she's also really funny. Her name is Christy Sarah, K-R-I-S-T-Y dot Sarah on Instagram. And she, you know, she'll do unboxings, but she'll also do like trying, trying out this new pair of shoes. And then she'll do like aerobics and flips and stuff and really test how strong these heels are. It looks kind of sketchy, but it's, it's really funny. Um, so I do like her, uh, a couple of other, you know, there are some really strong marketing campaigns and a couple that just popped into my mind when I was thinking about marketing for fashion, you know, campaigns I would have liked to be a part of. Uh, our first, if you're getting a turquoise aqua blue box for Christmas, <laughs> you know, what's going to be in it. It's going to be something from Tiffany's. And I think the way that Tiffany was able to pick a color and then just, you know, I found an article that said they monopolize the shade of blue. If you see a box that that's that shade of blue, you know what it is. I think that's, that's pretty brilliant way of marketing and it's so subtle isn't it also called the Tiffany's blue? Mm-hmm. Tiffany blue. Yeah. 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 Um, and then another one that I really loved, this was during COVID. It was 2021. Have you seen this? It's, um, Machino did a runway show and it was all puppets wearing no their clothing. Yeah. But it was during COVID. And so social distancing, you couldn't really have runway mm. shows. And so they just made these little tiny outfits showing, you know, I think it was like the spring line or something. Oh, wow. Um, and having these model puppets walking down a puppet fashion That's runway. So it was innovative. so cute. Yeah. And it had people at the time. I'm not, I don't like majorly follow luxury brands. I don't watch fashion shows, but at the time it, it reached me through just social media and people sharing mm-hmm. because it was so interesting and so unique and creative. Yeah. Totally. Oh man. I, I need to look that one up. I it's didn't so see that cute. one. Well, awesome. Concluding this episode. One of the main things that I was thinking about when it comes to fashion is it comes in cycles. What's in today won't be in tomorrow, but it will be in again in 10 years from now, or maybe five years from now. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Thinking about those choker necklaces that I love to wear when I was t- probably 10 years old. Um, you know, the, the tattoo ones, the tattoo yeah. ones. Heck yeah. And they were just in like a year or two ago again. <laughs> and now I think they're out again, uh, as far <laughs> as I know. <laughs> so again, it, it just comes back in cycles. And I do think stick to your true self when it comes to clothes because if you rock the bell bottom pants 10 years ago and you continuously rock them maybe you're going to be the trendsetter for the next cycle of bell bottom pants yeah <laughs> even though they're really hard to find in off season i just <laughs> yeah, I, bet. I, I speak of experience here <laughs> but yeah so i think that's one of the main takeaways yeah i think it's one of the most wasteful industries out there it can have really bad, a really bad impact on our planet. And so I think as a consumer, considering the impact you have when making a purchasing decision and specifically the brands like Shein, Forever 21, you know, yes, it's cheaper. However, will it end up in a landfill after the first time you wear it? In that case, is it worth spending a little bit more to get something that lasts longer? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think if you, if you have the ability 
to make a difference, then consider making a difference when it comes to what you're purchasing. I like that a lot. I think um, like even Shein, they recently, you know, I've donated $15 million to help with the excess in landfills um, with the cleanup associated to that. So they're doing something, which is, which is awesome. Some people call that greenwashing though, meaning they're like just throwing money at the problem Mm -hmm. and trying to fix it and then throwing a PR, you know, Hey, look what we did. We're, we're so great for just the PR stunt out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is fast fashion. It's very trendy now. And I also think it just results in a lot of waste. So if you can spend a little more on a jean, on jeans that last you for five years, you know, it might be helpful to the environment to do that. Agreed. Um, what else do we have? I mean, I think you touched on this earlier, but just questioning what are the, what's the reason that you're making the purchase? Because especially if you, you live in an area that is like fashionably competitive, like a Scottsdale or a Zurich, Zurich um, <laughs> then you might be kind of pressured to spend more money on clothes and that money might be better spent on other things uh, for you. And so just being mindful, you know, am I just being pressured by my peers to keep up with the Joneses in this case, or am I striving to look successful at the expense of my money, (laughs) (laughs) my savings, my, you know, whatever I actually need. Um, just does it serve your best interests to keep up with the Joneses? We're so lucky to live in Flagstaff and not have any Joneses that we have to keep up. I guess the only thing is like Patagonia is pretty expensive and people wear that all the time. Yeah, I think it's probably more the sports gear that's yeah. like <laughs> more, yeah, more in fashion here. Mm-hmm. Which is still expensive. I'm wearing a Patagonia jacket, actually. At the same time, though, it lasts, right? It does. It lasts a long mm-hmm. time. And I think one other thing to just keep in mind is like, how does it make you feel? Mm -hmm. You know, the piece of clothing, maybe take a pause. Isn't that the philosophy of the declutter guru of like how to declutter is you take the item into Mm -hmm. your hand and you take a pause and you think about like, how does that make me feel? It makes you feel good. I think I I didn't watch the documentary. What is your name? Mary Kondo? Condo? Yeah. Is that it? Sounds sounds familiar. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the con condo philosophy. I don't remember. That's not, I've heard that before though. Yeah, it's just how does this make me feel? And you can weigh the same thing when you're deciding should I spend spend money on this bag? It's like, how does it how does this make me feel? All right. Well, Normally, we would wrap up the episode with a teaser for the next episode. We have a little bit of a caveat this time around because we are approaching Thanksgiving and Christmas. And as you could tell, we haven't been able to (laughs) upload every Thursday nor every other Thursday. (laughs) So we are going to take a holiday break for the next month and a half and are excited to be back stronger wiser older <laughs> older yeah and, uh, and more energized i think yeah more yeah. energized in the next year so we're not gone forever hope to catch you next year yeah we wish you a happy holiday season and uh, a good rutsch ins neue jahr a good slide into the new year is that do you say that no no okay (laughs) i like it though well 
slide into the new year happy and healthy and uh, we'll catch you then bye bye <laughs> all right um sha la 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 I learned a saying yesterday, Peter, Peter Piper picked a, a peck of pickled peppers, Peter Piper picked. Oh, goodness. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, that's what it was. If Peter Piper picked a pe- peck of pickled peppers, so say that. Sounds great. <laughs> if, if Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, I struggle with that. I hope I can speak properly.